All right, you ready? It's time to dig in. Now, I want to remind you that I did not write the Bible. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that out there. Authored by the Holy Spirit as old men wrote in that time in which the Lord spoke these words to them. You know, somebody asked me after first service, they were like, you know, God, it just seems like he keeps going on with this theme. I said, yeah, that's because we're not too bright. <laughs> yeah, we, we do need to be reminded sometimes, don't we, uh, of the truth and have it just put to us in such a way that we can't escape it. Because truth is truth. And if we truly believe what God's word says, then our obligation is to follow what the Lord uh, is teaching us here. And so we move now to walking in the light. And I would remind you that that concept is actually going to come in verse 8. We'll get there in a moment. But really, the context of it is the context of all Scripture. In fact, one of the I am sayings of, of Jesus as he spoke these words in John 8 and in chapter 12, he said to the woman caught in the very act of adultery, I am the light of the world. He who walks in me, will not walk in darkness. And so as Jesus spoke those words, he was making a contrast. Paul now is going to take that exact same contrast and he's going to illuminate it. He's going to bring forth that truth, a truth that the world so desperately needs to hear today. Because too many Christians spend their lives seeing how close they can get to darkness. Too many Christians spend their lives, rather than being light, almost being extinguishers, baskets, if you will, that cover the light. Because whether we like it or not, family of God, those things which we even allow to go on in our presence, the world looks at, at least in the very minimum, as tacit approval that those things are okay. And so when the church is found engaging in the very things that Scripture says we should not do, we lose our moral authority in life. The world doesn't want to hear what we have to say. Not because it isn't true, it's because we're hypocritical about it. We speak it, but we don't do it. And so now the truth is going to come home in a way that we can really see that it is our place now to walk in the light. If we're going to be the real deal, if we're going to imitate, if we're going to mimic, if we are going to mime, if our lives are going to bear witness of the truth of who Christ is, then we are to walk in the light. First John chapter 1 says this as a way of introduction in verse 5, for this is the message which we have heard from him. He spoke that message, referring directly to John chapter 8, to those words. I am the light of the world. That's the message we've heard from Christ himself. And I declare to you, Paul says, John says, Jesus says, they all said the same thing, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. And verse 6 goes on in 1 John Chapter 1, for if we say that we have fellowship with him, if we have koinonia with him, if we sit down at the Lord's table with him, if we're going to have deep, intimate, abiding fellowship with Jesus Christ, 
and we walk in darkness, notice what it says. If we want to have fellowship and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Those two things are incompatible. They're water and oil. We'll get to it. They're polar opposites. They're opposite ends of the spectrum. One actually eliminates the other. Light will eliminate darkness 100% of the time. Any light is sufficient to get rid of utter darkness. And we do not practice the truth. Verse 7 says there in 1 John chapter 1, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have koinonia with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Family of God, we are to walk in the light as he is in the light. Let's pray. Lord, we've come this day, this your day, this time out of the week where we set aside a few moments, really, to hear your word. And we just ask, God, that by your spirit you would speak to us in this place, that your truth would be made known and manifest, not just to us, but through us, Lord. Would we be what we're supposed to be? Would we be light in this very dark world? We ask these things in the blessed name of our Savior, Jesus. And God's people all said, Amen. Amen. Now back to Ephesians 5 into verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Let no one deceive you with empty words. You see, the world is full of churches that have pastors standing in the pulpit that are deceiving people with empty words, and they are continuing the very thing that the apostle was dealing with when he spoke to the church at Ephesus, and he reminded them, as I shared with you last week, there are those that hold to that doctrinal position, that heresy of being antinomos. They're antinomian. They say there's no law, there's no moral standard in our world, and in fact, grace is so free as to be cheap. And so we no longer need to do what God's Word says. We can just live our lives the way we please. And if that happens to be in exactly the things that it speaks for us not to do, oh well, grace covers it. Can I remind you that the standard, which we saw last time, is Christ Jesus is Lord. Amen? He is the standard. He is the one we mimic. And though He is love, He is also holy. Amen? And he's given us his word so that we might not sin against him. So that we would understand who he is, what he does. And so we are to walk in that light. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon those who are disobedient. And therefore, would you please check this out? Would you read it carefully? Do not be associated with them. Don't hang out with, don't make friends with, don't sit down, don't enjoy yourself. That was Peter's problem around the campfire with that little girl, wasn't it? He, he didn't just walk, he didn't just stand, he sat down and made nice with the very people who were a threat to king and kingdom. We're not to be associated with those unfruitful works of darkness. You see, some people take it so far as to drive it all the way, you know, we use that, hey, where's the love, man? Where's the love? Isn't God love? Yes. 100%, absolutely, unequivocally, 
God is love. But his love is so great as to also be holy, to be perfect, to be righteous, to have a standard that is the standard of all standards, and it's way up here. It's not down here in the sewer of this world. It is way up here in the heaven of heavens. That's where his love truly resides. You see, a lot of Christians believe that as long as they've said the sinner's prayer, they can live as they please. Can I remind you, your Bible does not support that view. Your Bible requires of us as God's people, if we are in fact children of God's grace, we've been saved not by our own merit, by the merit of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross, that it is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. Amen? And the life that we now live, we live unto him. He owns us. We are dulo. We're bond slaves. We're servants of the Most High God. So it's not just about love. It isn't just simply speaking things that make people feel like they fit in. Can I say to you that if you fit in in every circumstance in this world, there's a really good chance you're actually not shining the light? If you're not turning the light on and there aren't some bugs running, you need to ask yourself if you got any batteries. If the Holy Spirit's actually charged you up to the point where you're making a difference in a world that's upside down. And as I say these things, I realize that to some people this may be new news. And so, don't let me bring you into bondage, don't let me bring you to legalism, but let me set you free that you can live a righteous life in Christ Jesus. You can live a righteous life in Christ Jesus. And if you do, you're going to shine light on our world. And the world doesn't like it. You know what? There are going to be a whole bunch of people that are going to unfriend you on Facebook. Praise God. Probably some of those folks you need to be unfriended by. Let me tell you this, you got one who's put you on his friends list, his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen? And so when when you post on his wall, you're supposed to be posting something that's good, amen? And lovely, of good report, of holiness, of righteousness. You see, unbridled and unrepentant sin are not okay with God. And to that end... Love and fear are bookends. I need to love God. He loves me. God's freedom and grace came to me as a gift. That's absolutely true. But because of that, I now have a holy reverence for who He is. And I live my life in a way that's fashioned after His character and after His nature so that when people see me, they don't get the wrong impression of Him. That's one of the great problems in our world with the church today. Is because we are the visible representation, if you like to put it that way, of Jesus Christ on this earth. That's why it's going to be so bad when the church is taken home in the rapture, because the Holy Spirit that's in you, the restrainer, is going to be removed. Can I say to you, there are some places in the world where the restrainer is already not there. Because there are Christians who are not walking in truth. They're not walking in the righteousness of Christ. They're walking in the very sewage that you've been delivered from. pretty quiet in here. 
Remember, I have to preach these things to myself first, okay? And I truly mean that. What applies to you applies to me. My life is held under that microscope the same as yours. You see, we can't just simply get along and in the process of doing so make people believe something that's not true about our Savior. We can't. We can't. We owe it to the Lord to be light in this world. We owe it to Him. In Acts chapter 20, if you'd like to turn there, you can. We'll pick up in verse 28. The Apostle Paul writing there in Acts chapter 20 to these very same Ephesians, to the eldership of that church, and he says this to them in verse 28, and I'm reading now from the New Living Translation for emphasis. And now beware. Be sure that you feed and shepherd God's flock. What do we as pastors, what would an elder feed the flock of God but the word of God? Amen? Amen. That's all I got. I got his message. We as pastors have the message that God already gave us. Hopefully that message will come with some distinction, with some ability for you to apply it today, but it's the same message that they got. We still preach that same Christ. And shepherd the flock of God, tend them, watch over them. His church purchased, notice with his blood, over whom the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. Look, elders of the church, teachers of the church, bishops of the church, pastors of the church, shepherd and feed the flock of God. Notice what he says next. For I know full well that false teachers, like vicious wolves, will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some of you will distort the truth in order to, check this out, draw a following. Can I say to you, there's a lot of really big churches about whom this could be said this morning. You bring the truth down here, and you tell everybody, you know what? That stuff, you don't need to do that anymore. That's what grace is for. You just send it up. It's okay. If you're on your third spouse, you know, God understands, brother. You know, I mean, after all, what, what harm can viewing images on the Internet actually do to you anyway? I mean, they're just images. They don't hurt anybody. Sure, that joke was a little crass, disgusting, but you know, it was funny. There's a lot of churches that don't teach what that book says. Because God hasn't lost an ounce of his holiness. I would remind you, we just studied this passage last Sunday night. Come out on Sunday nights. If you're not here, you're missing it. What did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? He he made it really, really, really clear. For I did not come to remove one yot, one tittle, not the smallest pieces Of the Hebrew alphabet did I come to remove from the law, but rather to fulfill it. And what he was saying was, I changed how mankind relates to the law. You can now relate to God directly by grace and through faith. 
But my standards didn't change. My father's character didn't change. He didn't all of a sudden become unholy like the world is unholy. And it's because of that that the wrath of God is coming on unrighteousness in this world. When man says, look, God changed and we can now change what the definition of marriage is. Or we can just kill babies indiscriminately because of where they live in their mother's womb. When we say we can live lives of drunkenness because grace covers it, brother, sister. When we can teach our children that God's holiness doesn't matter, your Bible says the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. God's holy. And we are to walk in the light as he is in the light. And it's time that we realize that sometimes scripture is painfully, painfully offensive to our false views of God. God doesn't care. He wants us to be afflicted. He wants us to look at this and go, man, maybe I need to change. It's supposed to change us. It's supposed to mold us. It's supposed to work in our lives to accomplish his good will and purpose. You see, I, I don't want the church facing God's other side because he's absolutely loving and kind and just, but he's also holy and he has to punish sin and disobedience. You can't have one without the other. It's not possible because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. I change not, says the Lord. He said that of himself. You see, so what he's really talking about is a couple of things that we as Christians need to understand as polar opposites. Darkness and light cannot coexist. Probably many of you in this room have been to a place like maybe Carlsbad Caverns or one of the great cave systems that we have here that we've almost turned all of them into parks of some kind, the National Park. But if you go to Carlsbad Caverns, one of the things that will happen to you is you descend either down the elevator or you walk in as you get down there, one of the first things they do is pull you down to the bottom of the cavern, and then they turn the lights out. You can't see your hand in front of your face. Amen? Why? Because there's no light. None. But the moment that dude standing next to you, his little, you know, phosphorescent zipper pull starts to glow, you can see just a little bit, can't you? And then somebody pulls out a flashlight or the ranger turns on his. And even though it's a little tiny light compared to all the darkness, the darkness is gone. Dark and light will not coexist. We're supposed to be beaming two billion candle power searchlights for Jesus in this world. We're not supposed to be little glow-in-the-dark zipper pulls. We're supposed to be beaming, shining brightly for the King of Kings and for the Lord of Lords. Light illuminates. Light separates. There's a distinction. In our world, all life, biologic life, needs light. doesn't matter whether it's botanical or whether it's our animal world. We must have light to survive. The same is true for the believers in this world and God's plan is that all men come to the knowledge of repentance amen that everyone be saved they need light they don't need more darkness they need light and light exposes 
Light causes people to see things for the way they are. Notice what verse 7 says, Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were once darkness. Notice what it says. You were once darkness. Not you were in darkness. You were dark yourself. You were dead, in fact. We already saw that in chapter 2, didn't we? You weren't kind of, sort of, alive. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dark. You were out. Gone. No light. But now you are light in the Lord. Notice it says you are light. Not you're in it. You are it. Walk as children of the light. He uses the Hebrew idiom there. Children of is another way of saying, we, we use the phrase in our, in our culture today, well, that's a little mini-me. Our children are mini-me's. They're little tiny us's. My poor sons even walk like I walk. They have the same mannerisms. You see, we're supposed to do that so when people see us, they have the mannerisms of Christ. They have the mannerism of Jesus. That when someone sees you, they can tell that you spent your life with Jesus. That's how we're to live our lives in this world. That's how we make a difference. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth and finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. There's no clearer distinction than this. You either have light or you have darkness. That's it. As a new believer, you're a little bit of light. But as someone who's walked with the Lord for a long time... You know, we've got to ask ourselves the question, do we, we need some more batteries or what? There's a, there's a bulb in there, but it's not very bright. It is hidden under a bushel basket. It's not exposed on a hill where everyone can see. We're supposed to walk in the light. Let's be honest, darkness is a part of all of our pasts, amen? Every last person in here, I don't care how long you've walked with the Lord, there is a B.C. day for all of us, Amen? But then we came to Christ. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We now walk in that light. There should be a difference between the old you and the new you. Amen? We're supposed to put off the old and put on the new. Not just put off the old, because that leaves you with nothing, no clothes. You're not clothed in righteousness, you just don't have anything. You're supposed to walk in the light. Can I tell you that almost every Christian, if we're really doing what we've been called to do on this world, you're going to glow a little bit for Jesus. Now, now some of you, you know, I have to confess, I like Harbor Freight. You get the, you know, you know what I'm saying, you get those little flyers in the mail and you go in, because they have like the, the 10 million candle power spotlight you can plug into the cigarette lighter. Have you ever noticed there's no cigarette, there's no ashtrays in cars anymore, which I think is absolutely fantastic, but why do they put cigarette lighters still in there? You plug that thing in and you can like, you know, knock down airplanes with it and stuff. (laughs) Oh, that God would make us that bright. And that we'd submit to that. Say, look, Lord, I want to shine for you. I'm tired of being dim. And the fruit of that light is goodness, righteousness, and truth. It's goodness, You can tell when you've got the light on because out of you comes goodness, righteousness. That is the right standing between you and God and truth. That is the absolute logos. That's who he is. 
His word in your life. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. In other words, we're supposed to be beyond reproach. Now, thankfully, God's light shines through us through the filter of grace. Anybody say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because it does. It shines through us in the filter of grace. His grace is sufficient for our failures. But his grace is not something we take advantage of. We never lower the standard. I don't look at things and say, hey, what can I get away with? I say, how much light can I shine? Not how close can I get to the sewer, but how far away. None of you want to live next to a sewer plant. Amen? You shouldn't be one. You should have the fragrance of Christ. We should be pleasant and lovely and of good report. We shouldn't have dark corners. Sometimes we wonder why our kids think the things they do and do the things they do. It's because they have watched us not be light in the world. They know what the Word says. They look at what we do. And they're forced to make a choice between what we've said and what we do. And family, they, they can look into the back of your closets. And they know where those bottles are stashed. And they can tell when there's hypocrisy in their parents. We need to be light. They see the magazines you read. They watch the television programs. You may kick them out of the room and then you sit down and watch it. They're still understanding what you're watching. Be light. Be light to your children. If for no other purpose were you put on this world than to be light to your kids. If you don't affect anybody else, affect your kids for Christ Jesus. Notice it says, verse 11, that we're to have no unfruitful fellowship whatsoever. Check this out. It, it's kind of one of those things, it's tough, to, it's tough to avoid this one, family. Verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Is that simple enough for us this morning? And again, I, my intent is not to beat you, it's to make you alive in Christ, so that you walk out of here and go, man, you know what, I want fruitful things in my life. You're not going to have fruitful things for the kingdom in your life, when you're doing the very things that you're not supposed to be doing because God's Word tells us so. And yet how many of us, we wonder why we're not being used in a greater way for the kingdom. Because God entrusts those things to people who walk like Jesus and talk like Jesus and act like Jesus. Don't have fellowship. Do not have koinonia with those unfruitful works of darkness. That doesn't mean, by the way, that you shouldn't have unsaved friends. Please put that out of your head. Because you are the light that those unsaved friends need. This is talking about Christians who sin. This is talking about Christians who walk in open rebellion to what God's Word says. You need to tell them the truth. Don't Stop telling them that that relationship they're in is okay because their husband's a jerk. You're right, he's a jerk. Stop telling them that, well, you know what? As long as you don't inhale too much. 
I mean, kind of keep it on the down low, okay? As long as your blood alcohol content doesn't get above 0.08, please, brothers and sisters, start being light. That means don't fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. Do you get it? It's so important. Because those things that you do in your life, the world looks at as tacit approval of the excesses that they take. That's why they do it. They're going, if my best hope is my Christian friends and they're getting stoned, my best hope is my Christian friends and they're at the same party that I'm at, my best hope is my Christian friends and they're going into the same rotten, despicable movie. And oh, by the way, one of the neat things about living here there are so many of us in this church that I see all y'all standing in the movie lines. You might just want to take that into account. I might just walk up and say, so how you doing? Oh, dark one. Nah, I wouldn't do that to you. But the other people who know you are looking at that and they're going... That's straight out of Compton. I'm pretty sure that's, uh, that's uh, R-rated, isn't it? And I'm pretty sure it's R-rated because it's just plain not good. Again, I'm not trying to put a weight on you. I'm trying to tell you people are watching you. They know that you come to this church. They know that you profess Jesus Christ, and you're telling them with your action that God's okay with this stuff. He's not okay with it. He's not okay with it. He's not okay with you being involved in things that you shouldn't be involved with. Do not waste your time, your talent, and your treasure on these things. Don't have unfruitful fellowship with them. There are some things that love dark, don't they? You know, mold, mildew, maggots, <laughs> mushrooms. Wait, I like mushrooms. Take that one off the list. <laughs> but yeah, we're supposed to walk in the light as he is in the light. Take a stand. Call darkness, darkness. Call it what it is. And don't fellowship in it. It's what God wants us to do, family. We're, we're supposed to light up the night. You know, I, probably some of us in here, I, I'm looking around the room, some of you are too young, but some of you are old enough to, to remember every store that every, ever opened back in the 60s, early 70s, they would bring out these old military searchlights, you know, kind of like the bat light, and they'd put them in the parking lot, and they'd shine it up and go up into the sky like five or six miles. They were actually used to spot enemy planes during the Second World War, but they'd put them in the parking lot, and, and you, you could tell where that store was from the next county over. How about if every Christian looked like that, and we could tell them where Jesus was? Amen? He's over here. He's right here. You can come and look at my life. You can come into my home. You can open any drawer. And you're still going to find Jesus. You can open any cabinet. There's not going to be anything to stumble you. You're going to find Jesus. We should be beaming, folks, for Christ. For it's shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. How many Christians occupy their time with things like People magazine 
And if you have Cosmo in Jesus' name, burn it. <laughs> you, you walk down the, the magazine, I, you go to Walmart, and you're just like, your eyes were assaulted. And that's the cover of magazines that are supposed to be for, you know, kids. How many Christians are reading that stuff, glorying in the garbage? Please don't. It's not bringing you closer to Jesus. You don't need to know who's so-and-so's ex is with whose other ex who's with somebody else's whatever. <laughs> See, I'm not even speaking of those things. They're done in secret. We shouldn't be talking about them. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. When you shine the light of Jesus on those things, I can't see Jesus standing there, hey, did you read this article? You know what I'm saying? Thumbing through it, oh, yeah, well, I didn't know about Ben, and I didn't know about, oh, yeah, well, Jen, she's at it again. Oh. It's like husband number 17. And that the church is one, we, we know more about the weather than we do about Jesus sometimes. Manifest those things by shining the light on them. Therefore, he says, verse 14, Awake you who sleep and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Don't promote sin, promote Jesus. Don't undignify his name, give glory and honor to his name. There's a lot of folks who are wandering around out there in darkness, and they need the light. They don't need more darkness. They know what darkness is. And notice how this whole passage comes to a close. We need to seize the day. We need to carpe diem. See that you walk circumspectly. That means to be upright. It actually goes a little deeper than that. It means to crane one's neck with intent to see what is coming. It's the same deal if you've ever been to maybe a a presidential parade. My brother was on the president's motor pool when he was in the CHP. He was one of the motor officers that drive around with the president wherever he went. They'd pull up. The president gets out, and all the people lined up, and they're, you know, they're climbing over each other, looking, it's like, where is he? See that you're doing that so that people know that you're looking for Jesus, that you're hastening the appearing of our glorious God and King, amen? That when they see you looking, you're looking at the right thing, not at the same thing that they stare at. You're looking for the King of Kings and for the Lord of Lords. See that you walk circumspectly. Notice this, not as fools, but as wise. And then he says something to us we need to lay hold of as we close. Redeeming the time because there's a reason given. Redeeming, the, buying back the time. You get 86,400 seconds every day. How are you using them? Because you're paying something for them. You are investing your life to purchase every last one of those seconds in something. You're either going to purchase them with that which is good and pure and lovely and of a good report and holy and wholesome, or you're going to purchase them with something that's of the old man, the darkness, the flesh. And when you do that, you're actually making a trade. You're saying, look, I'd like to give away some of my time so that I can have this thing. There are three component parts of this. The first one is your time. 
You're investing your time. Invest it wisely because the days are evil and the time is short. You're also investing your motion. You're investing your talent. You're investing the gifts that God's given you in a physical sense. You all have skills. You all have the capacity to serve. You are investing that in one way, shape, or form. And you're also investing your treasure. Those things which are your, your property, your, your money, the things that are in your bank that don't belong to you, they belong to Him. Are you redeeming the time? Are you using your moments, your motions, your money for the king? Are you redeeming it? Are you saying, look, God, this is so valuable, I'm going to give my day to this purpose. I'm going to give my talent to this purpose. I'm going to give my resources to this purpose. If that purpose is to shed light into the world, well done. That's what we are to do. And so as we close, I would just leave you with this. If someone takes away your money, or someone takes away your, your treasure, your house, your whatever, you can get those things back. But when your time's gone, it's gone forever. You can't get it back. That's why it's so important for us as parents to love our kids as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. That doesn't just apply husbands to wives. That's me as a dad. That's why every second that you spend is spent on something. So spend it well. Spend it wisely. Spend it in service of, of our king. You can't get those, those moments back, folks. And so take every last one of them and use them to shine a light. Go out into this world and be what you're supposed to be. Go be different. Go shine so brightly that people are sick to death of your light. You all know what I'm saying. You, probably every one of you has got that neighbor. They got that garage light on there that you want to shoot out. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And when you get up at 1 o'clock in the morning to go check on the dog, there it is, the light from the house next door. You thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? <laughs> you want to be like that. You want to be light 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, so that when the world wakes up every day, they can see that you were on for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand. I'm going to pray with you. The worship team is going to come back up. I have a prayer team available for you over here to my left, to your right. If you need to pray, maybe you've got some area where you've been, you know, you can do better. It's okay. God's grace is sufficient. And He wants to use you. And he, he will clean you up. He'll put some batteries back in that, that tired life that is you. Our, our job is to just simply go out there and let Him shine through us. You don't have to manufacture the light. He's the light. It can just come out of you. And as you do that, you'll use those seconds wisely, those hours wisely, those days wisely, your life wisely, so that you can be light in this very dark world. Amen? Let's pray. Father, so grateful are we this morning, God, that you would love us, and God, that you would put your light in us. 
uh, really does amaze us. And we pray now that as we head out into the mission field that is our world, that our lamps would be trimmed and our lamps would be full. Lord, that we would be ready, that the the batteries would be in us, the Holy Spirit would uh, recharge us, Lord, and allow us to shine for you. Help us to forsake those areas to where, God, someone might be tempted to believe that you're less than holy. God, help us to forsake those things. God, we thank you for your grace, which is sufficient. Pray that you pour out through us now onto this world that so desperately needs the light. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. And God's people all said, Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. Go out there and be some light in this world.